we continue our time together. Um, started a series on Ephesians a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't get one of these yet, please uh, raise your hand. We'd love to give you one, even if you're just here for today. Uh, just consider it a gift from us. If you uh, got one and lost it and want another one, you can get one. If you didn't bring it today and you want to follow along, because I don't have any of the Ephesian scriptures on the screen, because I'm assuming you're bringing these, and we're looking at those together. Um, but if you forgot it, you can get one. Just don't write your name in it. Don't write in it and put it back in the box. Fair enough? All right. Oh, right there, right, right behind you. And there's also pens. Dad's handing out pens. Uh, just a quick update on the room, the building. Uh, I don't have one. Um, I hope to have one this week. Uh, the uh, Rock Prairie uh, is uh, still talking with powers that be there, so they don't have anything to tell me, so I don't have anything to tell you at this point, so we're still here. That's the update. All right, quick review. Um, Apostle Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to all the churches in Asia Minor to teach them that they are in Christ. That God has created them to be a new society. And that that society is to be characterized by his uncorruptible love. That's kind of the big picture of where we're going, where we're at um, in Ephesians. And that incorruptible love is, is his love for us. It's our love back to him. It's our love to one another. And it's our love to the world. And our challenge is to really believe that, that we are in Christ. Uh, and, and then as we begin to believe it, that uh, the, the natural next step would be that we live like it, right? Uh, it's coming out of us in the, the things that we do and the things that we say that we would proclaim it. We'd be able to share it with people. Uh, and that in the midst of a culture that, that kind of wars against that uh, very belief, that we would stand firm in it and that we would be able to, uh, to stand firm to the end, to await its ultimate fulfillment. Last week, we looked at what God has already done for us and how he has blessed us um, because of it, namely his choosing us, his election of us from the very beginning of time, and then his adoption of us into his eternal family, uh, something that he uh, thought about uh, from the very beginning. And because of those things, our normal response, we said last week, should be uh, a life that's characterized by holiness and, and a life that's characterized by worship of our risen king. So today we're going to shift gears just a little bit, and we're going to look at some of the things that God brings us right now. As we continue to unpack this portion of scripture that we started last week, which uh, a lot of people, and I agree, that it just really seems like it is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And we read the whole thing last week. You're free to go back and read it. Um, but we're just going to pick it up in verse 7 uh, today. So read with me, uh, starting in verse 7. Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. And we said that uh, this whole passage, uh, in three, verses 3 through 14, is really in the Greek language is one big sentence. It's like the biggest sentence there is in the history of man. And so Paul is just like, it's a stream of consciousness. He's just like spurting out all this great stuff right? And, and there's really no way to fully grasp, like, how we're supposed to unpack that. So we're just doing the best that we can with, with what he's given. But I didn't want to fly through it either because it's so rich. And so we're hanging out in it for a couple of weeks as we, uh, as we unpack uh, what Paul writes to us uh, from the letter to the Ephesians. So let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for this time for your word to us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that right now that, that that's exactly what it would be, that it would not be my words or uh, any, any other words that come to uh, our hearts and our minds right now, but it would truly be the word of your spirit, the, the word that is living and active uh, and able to change us. And so uh, get down deep in us with what you have to say to us today. Uh, Father, and, and uh, make us more like you so that we can uh, shine your light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, anyone get to see the super snow moon this week? Uh, anybody? Super, you probably saw it, didn't realize that's what it was. Not to be confused with the super blood wolf moon from last month. Okay, we got a lot of moon stuff going on lately. Um, but apparently this is, this is the moon that is the closest to the, uh, the earth this year. And so if you missed it, sorry, uh, next February, I guess. Uh, but there, there really does seem to be a lot of interest in the moon lately. Uh, I, I heard recently that NASA plans to go back to the moon this year. That's pretty wild. Uh, I was just a little toddler when uh, we were on the moon last, and most of you weren't even born. So uh, NASA's apparently going back. Um, and with that comes a lot of interest, and uh, there's stuff selling artifacts from the 60s, uh, from the, the lunar landing and all that that seems to be like going up for auction uh, recently. Uh, Buzz Aldrin's notes, just a piece of paper, like a checklist of things that he was supposed to do uh, when he got to the moon or something. Uh, went for like $62,500 at Sotheby's this past year or so. Um, so, but my crazy, uh, my, my favorite story is, is, a, is a crazy one, uh, and it's about uh, some moon dust. Have you heard this one? This happened a while back. Uh, a bag of moon dust was apparently stolen from a museum along with a bunch of other uh, historical artifacts. Uh, and, and so I uh, went missing for a long time. I'm not even sure when it probably was in the 90s because when they caught the guy, um, they, uh, they, they seized all the stuff, including the moon dust, and then um, put it away in a government um, storage facility and forgot about it. And so it sat there for a while. And then somebody came along years later and in the early 2000s said, hey, we need to get rid of this junk. And so the government, being, you know, smart like they are, said, let's just sell it uh, on an online auction. So they put this stuff out there. And somehow in the process, the moon dust, the bag of moon dust, 
uh, got mislabeled. And I'm not sure what that means. I don't know what, what, what it got labeled as. Was Buzz Aldrin cigarette ashes or what? But somehow it, it's not like being sold as moon dust. And uh, it goes for $995 on, in an online auction. Some lady bought it. And apparently she must have kind of clued into something about it to pay almost $1,000 for a bag of dust, right? But uh, so she buys this and, and she's going to resell it, uh, I guess knowing that it's something more than what the government knew it was at that point. The government then clues in, uh-oh, we made a big mistake. This is important stuff. We should have this in a museum. Uh, and so we need to get this back. This is government property, right? So they, but they have to take her to court to do it. They lose the, the court battle. The court says it belongs to her. She can do whatever she wants to with it. So she sells it to a private uh, collector uh, last year for $1.8 million. Okay, so uh, some of you are Googling right now online auction uh, trying to get in on some of that government mistake. I get it. Um, but why did I tell you this story, okay? It's because what we're going to talk about today is redemption. What has happened to us is that we have been robbed of something that's far more valuable and far more important than a bag of moon dust. It's our soul. And sin and death took what God created and they sold us out for cheap. But God said, that is not cool. I am not going to stand for that. And unlike the government who wasn't willing to ante up to get its moon dust back, God says, I will pay whatever it takes to get you back. To get you back. To redeem you to redeem my creation from the bondage of sin. As we look at what Paul says in verses uh, seven through 10, I want you to see really just one big thing, one magnificent thing, and that's that God has redeemed you in Christ Jesus. So redemption is the big overarching thing that we're talking about today. But I think what Paul does is he kind of goes on to further show that redemption uh, it is expressed or it becomes real in three very powerful ways. And we're only going to look at two of these today, but they're forgiveness, grace, and discernment. We'll get to that last one next week, and we'll talk about some more stuff uh, related to uh, how he's going to bring everything together, uh, all of the redeemed, you, the church, uh, with everything else that he's created in the spiritual realm, and also everything about who he is into one glorious existence for all eternity. So let's look at verse seven. It says, in him, that's how Paul starts uh, this portion of what the, the, the Bible people have decided is a new sentence, but again, is not a new sentence. But maybe somebody did some research and they found that this is where Paul took a breath or something in the midst of this long sentence. And so it gives us a good place to start. Uh, and and here, here's Paul again saying, in him, in Christ, in Jesus, this is who you are. The main theme of Ephesians over and over again, that we are in Christ. And he's about to elaborate on that theme because it's so important. Your identity, Paul says, is vital 
to not only understanding the rest of what he's going to write in this letter, but it's vital to, to who you are as a Christ follower. It's vital for you to know who you are firmly so that you can live in such a way that is reflective of the way that God intended you to live. And so that's why he goes to great lengths to just continue to press on this. And I know you've heard me say it several times already if you've been here the past couple of weeks. And, and I'm gonna keep saying it. Uh, it it's, it's just, it's crucial to, to how we live. If we can't get that aspect of uh, following Jesus down in, in regards to who we are in, in our identity, then we're gonna fail at everything else. All right, so what this means is that um, tomorrow morning when you get up and you go about the rest of your week and get back into your normal stuff, uh, that this identity, just this reminder, this knowledge, this understanding that you are in Christ is gonna have to make a profound difference in your life as you bump around this week. Uh, that's really what all this is that we're doing. All the singing, all the preaching, all the prayers, all the scripture reading, uh, the fellowship with each other, the communion that we're gonna take later. It's all to remind us, to renew us, that we are a new society that's been called out from the culture that we're in to approach and to live life on this earth as people who are in Christ. A lot of you grew up with some terminology that, that, that said we, we are supposed to invite Jesus into our life. That's not nearly as biblical as us getting ourselves into Christ. And that's what we've got to try to get our heads around uh, as we read Ephesians. Paul goes on to say, in him we have redemption. Redemption's a term that's rooted in the Old Testament. So if you were a Jewish Christian hearer, of, of Paul's letter, you would have understood this uh, based on a lot of covenant language. It would have been very familiar, this idea of redemption. But if you were not, you still would have understood it from just the, the culture, the marketplace. Um, and uh, it was a, a common term that, that they would have understood because in both instances, it basically means purchasing or buying back something or someone that would otherwise be lost taken or destroyed. It's kind of the main point of the book of Ruth, uh, where, where Boaz redeems the land and, and marries Ruth. Uh, but um, most of these people are going to understand it in, in this way, that if someone who was sold into slavery because of poverty, they could be bought back by a relative. And so that's what's coming to their mind as Paul's talking about redemption. So Paul tells us that we, the church, are people who were once slaves to sin, once in that kind of bondage. We were sold into that, and, and we're powerless to do anything about it. There's nothing that we can do to change that. But now, we're able to live in freedom because he has bought us back in Jesus. But the price was not cheap. It was, as verse 7 goes on to say, through 
his blood. It costs Jesus his blood, his life. Peter says it this way. I get that. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And the writer of Hebrews says, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And then Jesus said this about himself, that, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the redemption. He is, uh, the, his life is the price that was paid. He loves his bride that much. He loves you, the church, that much. He took your place. He bore your cross. He paid your price. So now that we have that redemption in Christ, Paul seems to tell us that God's redemption is gonna be further expressed to us in, in three ways. The first being, verse seven, the forgiveness of our trespasses, the forgiveness of our sin. Paul never stopped being in touch with his sin. He knew that before a holy God, he even called himself the chief of sinners. He, he was very much in touch with where he came from, uh, what, what he had done. But as he kind of lived in that and expressed that, there was also a, a very clear awareness uh, that with his sin came uh, a profound present truth for him that he was forgiven. We have to kind of reach for the same thing, to, to stay in touch with our sin, to never lose sight of the depth of our depravity. We can't forget that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As we remember the, the bitter taste of, of sin, we can also, though, taste the sweet taste of forgiveness, right? Uh, some of us, uh, some of you may still struggle with that reality. You, you're kind of stuck in the pain or the guilt that your sin has caused. You don't really have any problem getting in touch with, with that reality. You kind of beat yourself up often about uh, your, your sinfulness. In fact, most people in the world really know that they're a sinner. What they don't know, or what you may not be living in the reality of, is what to do about it, or rather, what's already been done about it. As a follower of Jesus, you know that in Christ, God has done certain things for you that bring about his forgiveness. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 44, he's blotted our sin out. Jeremiah 31, he's forgotten our sin. Micah 7, he has thrown our sin into the deepest ocean. And in John 1, 9, he says that he has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. That is our present reality. That's what we have been given in redemption, in forgiveness. We can't ever forget that. And it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter 
how bad it is. It doesn't matter how bad you know your sin or, or how bad other people think you are. You're forgiven in Jesus. And I don't know like, who needs to hear that today specifically, but I, f- I feel like somebody does. And I just want you to, to receive that right now. You are forgiven in Jesus. This is your present reality. And if you didn't believe that when you walked in here, there's no reason in the world why you can't walk out of here knowing that and believing it. That's what we're here to help each other do, to remind each other of. We've all been We've all amassed this massive sin credit card debt. And God has come in and said, I'm covering it. I'm, I'm taking it away. Every, every single one of us. And he says in, in verse 7 that he's done it according to the riches of his grace. Uh, that's, let me go back to that slide that I misplaced there because it's a really good definition from Uh, a theologian that says, grace is an overflowing abundance of unmerited love, inexhaustible in God and freely accessible through Christ. We don't deserve it, God's grace. It's important for us to understand that God didn't just throw us a bone when it came to grace here. Uh, When he he says he's done this according to the riches of his grace, he isn't just some rich guy with plenty of grace, so that when he gives us a little, you know, it's just like, yeah, I can give from my storehouse. I've got plenty. He could do that, and that would be fine, and we, that would be okay for us, he, him giving us from his, his storehouse of grace. But that's not what he says. He says he gives in accordance with the riches of his grace. He's not the guy on YouTube that sneaks up on homeless people and gives them a, a McDonald's meal or, or a $100 bill while they're sleeping. That's not what God's done for you. God, God drove up and he, he said, I just bought you the restaurant. Or he, he puts you in the limousine and he drives you down to the, the Bryan College Station uh, bank of grace and love, uh, and and he gives you the keys to the bank and the limo. I mean, he he is the guy that is giving according to the riches of his grace. He uh, Jesus said, you know, uh, there, there's many mansions uh, in, in the eternity that he has prepared for us. He is making us wealthy beyond our wildest dreams in grace. That's what God gives to you. So can we just stop for a second in the midst of our daily pity parties that we all have, right? And just dwell on that for a second. That that your God, even while you were a sinner, chose to die for you, to bring you into his family, and that right now, your position with him, your reality with him is you're forgiven, and that he has given 
you much according to his grace. The riches of his grace have been given to you. The next time we get in the midst and just get consumed by some of our circumstances, can we just stop and think and thank God for what he's done? I mean, we've all got stuff, right, that, that, that gets us down. And, and, and some of it, it, the enemy just knows the right buttons to push at the right time. And it messes us up. But if we could get in touch with this in the midst of those moments, and just think about that your Father has given you out of his riches of grace. Not just those eternal things. Because I think that's what's easy sometimes for us is to, to go to that. And, and, and you know, big picture, yes, I know I'm saved. I know God chose me. I know God adopted me. That's all awesome stuff. But I just, right now, it, it's just hard. There's, there's so much right before you that if you spent just a little bit of time thinking about it, you could get in touch with that. Instead of acting like we're just spoiled little children with all the stuff that God's given us and, and ignoring it and wanting more or wanting another answer than what he's given us. And just in case in the scripture here, uh, we haven't gotten it, this isn't enough for us. Paul, as he's spouting out this huge sentence of God's goodness, uh, he goes on to say that God's grace is something, in verse 8, which he lavished upon us. Do you have certain words that invoke some kind of emotional response to you, for you? Uh, maybe, maybe they're negative words, like words you don't like to hear, Elisa, uh, that, that make you cringe when they're, they're spoken. We had one of these last week at uh, our elders' dinner. Um, I won't say what it is. Um, and I don't want to focus on those negative words. Um, but, but maybe you, you have those. Like if, when, when somebody, when you, you wouldn't say it, but when you hear somebody else say it, you just like, oh, I can almost feel it or taste it or smell it or whatever it is. Like you just don't use that word, right? Um, on the positive side, lavished is one of those words for me. Uh, just, just say that word real quick with me, out loud, just, just say it, lavished, again, let's say it again, lavished, it's just, it's just so rich, it's, I mean, when I, when I hear that word, or when I say that word, I just, like, imagine myself under this chocolate waterfall, just, like, it's just coming down, I'm just lavished in chocolate, or I'm lying on the floor in this big pile of money, just lavished in cash, it's good, or, or I'm, I'm celebrating in a locker room with like the most expensive champagne just spewing everywhere, just lavished in champagne. I love that word. When Paul spoke of Jesus telling him in 2 Corinthians that his grace was sufficient, I think that was like the, the understatement of the first century because it's way more than sufficient. He has poured it on thick for us people. He has lavished you with his grace. So as we kind of wrap this up, uh, and Ben, you can come on up, um, we have this big picture, redemption. 
right now. We have it. We have been given redemption. And, 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 and then kind of along with that, we've been given God's forgiveness and his grace. So what do we do with that? Get to some quick application here. The first thing is don't freak out tomorrow morning and forget that you're in Christ. Don't lose your mind. Your mind should be in Christ. Things are gonna come, things are gonna happen. Do not freak out and forget who you are. Remind yourself, that's why I've been, the last couple of weeks I've been saying like, find stuff to, to every time you like go into that you say I'm in Christ. I'm just, I use that as a trigger uh, to remind myself that I'm in Christ. When I walk in this room, I'm in Christ. When I get in class or, or, uh, or in my car, I'm in Christ. Just constantly, just something, to, just silly to use to remind yourself that you're in Christ and let that seep into you. Don't let one another forget this either. When, when you freak out or when I freak out, I need somebody else to say, hey, don't freak out. You're in Christ. And, and to kind of bring me back to who I am and what's most important. Let's never forget that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. The second thing we need to do with this is we need to enjoy, absolutely, I mean, he's lavished it on, he wants us to enjoy it, but he doesn't want us to abuse it. Let's not abuse God's grace. The freedom that we've been given in Jesus is meant to return praise to him. It's not meant for us to indulge ourselves. Let me say that again. The freedom that we have been given in Christ is meant for us to be able to return praise to God. It's not meant for us just to indulge ourselves with what we wanna do. It's what holiness is. That's what getting a handle on this, and we, hopefully you talked about some of that in Calm Group this week, this week. But seriously, think about what you're doing this week. Think about the choices that you're making, the things that you're involving yourself in. You know, it, just because it seems acceptable uh, it doesn't mean that's something you need to be involved in. Focus on your hol holiness. In Christ. Lent's coming up in a couple of weeks, actually less than a couple of weeks. Um, Wednesday, next week uh, is Ash Wednesday, and so that will start Lent. Uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to purposely lay something down in favor of pursuing the Lord. Uh, if you're not familiar with Lent, you haven't done this with us before, we kind of use this time uh, in the church calendar. It's 40 days leading up to Easter to fast from something that is gonna hopefully help us remember to focus on the person and work of Jesus. And this year, I hope that the theme is gonna be surprise that we are reminded that we're in Christ uh, as we fast. All right, real quick, extend God's forgiveness and grace. This is the beginning of mission work. We gotta do this. We gotta be able to extend God's forgiveness and grace. We gotta be able to do it first with one another. Um, and in getting even little, you know, tighter circle, we gotta be able to do it with the people that we live with around the house, okay? And I'm, this is coming right here, right now. All right, the last two are applications that we need to make right now. 
and later. So don't just forget them because we're going to do them right now. I want you to, to make them part of your week as well. Uh, the fourth thing is that we need to worship our sin away. Because you have been redeemed, when you turn your heart's attention and affection on your Redeemer, you get to live in the purity of his forgiveness and grace. That's why worship feels good. Because we're, we're in that moment of understanding things the right way. And if we can worship here, and, and, and if we can take that and worship out of here, then we can worship sin out of our life because the two aren't gonna be able to be in the same place. It's what help us, helps us to think rightly about who we are and who God is. It also gives us the opportunity to respond to his redemption and forgiveness and grace and love as we praise him. So that's what we're gonna do in just a second. We're gonna sing one more song and uh, I pray that we'll respond from the depths of our soul with this understanding of that we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been lavished uh, grace upon. And then as you leave tonight and you go eat at Grub with uh, the youth prophet share, shameless plug, and then you go back to your life, you go back to your job, you go back to school, that you will continue to worship. Find a way to do that. Uh, sing a song in your mind all week. I sent you an email this week that had something to, like that, and, and Josh puts in, in the newsletter each week uh, the songs that we sing. Go back and, and find one of those. It just really means something to you, and sing it all week, just over, over your life. And then the final thing, and we're going to take communion, remember the cross of Christ. Servers, you can come. We're going to do this right now as we share communion together. And as we do this, first we remember our sin. And then as we go about our week, we need to somehow remain connected to that sin just enough so that we stay humble, but never so much that it paralyzes us. And as we do this, our attention turns to the cross and we cling to it with hearts of thanksgiving, minds of thanksgiving, because the body of the King of Kings that willingly chose to step into our material dimension and become the same body of a carpenter from the small town of Nazareth, he also became the sacrificial lamb that was beaten, tortured, and killed. And the pure blood that poured from his veins on the cross of death is what brought us new life and forgiveness for every act of selfishness and rebellion against the holy God that we've ever committed or ever gonna commit. That's what we call amazing grace. That's what we remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of him. Y'all can come on up. He invites everyone to his table as those who are redeemed. Come 